0: You're listening to Look at My Records. This is episode 136. For this edition of the podcast, you'll hear my interview with Spencer Hartling and Sammy Perez of the Bay Area experimental pop duo, Harry the Nightgown. The two originally met in 2014 when Perez's band The She's shared a bill with one of Hartling's previous projects. And last week, they released their self-titled debut album. The two originally began working on this record back in 2018 at Tiny Telephone Studios in San Francisco where they also both worked as recording engineers. In our interview, we talked about how the majority of the songs on the record were written While the duo was experimenting in the studio, the lessons they learned from working with other artists at Tiny Telephone that they brought to the recording sessions for the debut Harry the Nightgown record, the pros and cons of recording the record in a setting that they're very familiar with, how their creative styles complement each other, and a whole lot more. If you're interested in hearing more episodes of Look At My Records, they're available on all streaming platforms. Please remember to rate, review, like, and subscribe on your platform of choice. I also encourage you to check out the Look At My Records website where you can read album and song reviews, check out premieres of brand new music, listen to specially curated playlists, and a whole lot more. That's lookatmyrecords.com. And after the jump, we'll dive right into my interview with Sammy and Spencer of Harry the Nightgown. Hey, Sammy. Hey, Spencer. Congrats on the new record. It sounds awesome. Thank you. Thank you so how have you yeah, have you both been doing i'm here with sammy and spencer of harry the nightgown have you been doing uh, did the pandemic impact the completion of the record in any way
1: it really only impacted our release schedule um since we finished the record i don't know like last when are we yeah last before June. march for sure <laughs> oh yeah last year been a while
0: <laughs> so tell me a little bit about how this project started i know you both met at a show back in 2014 when did you start the collaboration that would become harry the nightgown in this debut album
1: we probably started working on the album like a year and a half ago just both being engineers and spencer had just moved from la up north so we were both utilizing the studio space that I was working at in San Francisco, sort of just like experimenting at night or on open days or when things got canceled and then it turned into an album.
2: <laughs> it actually technically started as um, as Sammy's solo album that I was going to like produce and record. And we did one song together and then we're like, we should just like make a, make a band out of this because we had so much fun on one song.
0: So was that around the time doing that first song that you realized you both had a similar vision for what this project would sound like?
1: Yeah, I think I was developing like a, my taste in music or like the way that I write music. It was really shifting when Spencer and I started collaborating, I think, with my band The She's in San Francisco. Like we started the band when we were in seventh grade. So like back when we were obsessed with the Donnas and, you know, like, wanted to be more of a punk band. And then I was starting to like get more into like experimental production. And so working with Spencer was kind of like an outlet for that.
0: Yeah, Sammy, I was reading about your band, The She's, and I'm familiar with them. Awesome, awesome band. And I thought it was really cool how you basically started that band with your friends with no prior real training or anything in music. And then you also got involved with the studio where you guys started the collaboration recorded this album Tiny Telephone studios your background mm-hmm. in music like that do you think it helped you to be able to experiment more because the album is definitely great experimental pop and the fact that you kind of taught yourself a lot of different music related things do you think that allows you to be more experimental
1: i think definitely like uh Where I was working, like part part of getting a job there was kind of like not having much training or experience because it was encouraged to misuse gear and like do things wrong and come up with you know like new stuff. So like there was no rules basically, which really helped uh, be create for us to be creative in the studio. sure.
0: And so it started with one song. How did it grow into all of the songs that are on the record? I think there's about 12 tracks, right? On... 13, actually.
1: 13 with interludes, yeah. Um, How did it grow?
2: Well, it started as the... It was the... We did, like... My friend that I was working at a restaurant with was putting together, like, a comp of all... Bay Area bands doing like a cover of uh, this Kinks album and he asked us to do one and we just kind of went in at night and I think that was like our first like one-on-one collaboration on this song we just like tried to learn the song by like printing down the stereo track of the song in one night like on a real tape and then just overdubbing on top of it over and over and like learning each part one thing at a time and then we kind of like, it's kind of a really dumb song, but it turned out, it was it was just really fun working on that, I think. And then we're like, we should maybe start doing this more. And then something pushed us into doing it. I don't know what it was.
1: Mm-hmm. I don't know. Our curiosity. <laughs>
2: yeah.
0: Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, and from listening to the record, there's definitely a big part of the sound is what you're able to do in the studio. And I know you both have a background working at tiny telephone studios. And from what I've been able to read about it, it's all analog setup. What were some of the lessons that you both learned while working there, engineering and producing other artists that you were able to take into? The Harry the Nightgown uh, debut record.
3: Mm -hmm. It's a good question.
2: I think one thing that was huge for us was uh, because we were always recording on tape. We like if you wanted to make like more complicated, like stacks of tracks, you would kind of have. At least being the, the engineer, the producer, you're always trying to convince the band or the artist that you're working with to not get too attached to anything being the entire length of the song or being able to like you know you only have 24 tracks being able to like replace like whole sections of those tracks in songs and be able to like kind of ruthlessly erase information that you spent a lot of time recording in order to like shape the final product and i think that was really huge for both of us for sure and like trying to like Not, we weren't able to like save takes or hold on to a lot of information to like choose from later. We just kind of had to like choose one thing and then just like keep stacking on it and try and move as fast as we could through just like jumping through different ideas, doing something, I don't know, flipping through ideas until something sticks.
1: Yeah. I think the limitations of tape is really like encouraging for creativity. And it, yeah, it just creates an interesting workflow. Also, I think, like, at the studio, being around so much cool gear, like, the best old date machines and synths and whatever, and then, like, it's interesting working as an engineer, because a lot of the times the the bands you work with maybe, like, aren't the same style as you, or, like, you know, you're rushed because they can only book a certain number of days, so it's, like, you feel unsatisfied because you want to, like, use all the cool stuff at the studio. So that's, like, kind of was motivation for us to go in and, like, and really be able to play with what we had access to.
0: And the other great thing that I'm curious whether you thought it was entirely a good thing or maybe there were some negatives to it, the fact that you both worked at that studio for a long time and you were able to go in there and work on your record. What was that like being completely familiar with everything that's in there? Was that basically completely a positive or were there maybe some aspects that were more challenging about something like that?
1: I think the challenge of it was purely like, making a record is, is such like a sensitive process because usually when you book studio time, it's like sort of like a Something you don't do very often and it's an investment and like recording yourself, like hearing yourself recorded is a really vulnerable thing. So I always say like half my job as an engineer is like playing therapist because it's like sort of an uncomfortable place to be if you're not used to it. But then we were like extremely comfortable (laughs) in the setting which also presented problems because then we didn't have like that nervous energy. It was like easy to like get frustrated with ourselves and each other and, yeah, was- and like storm off or whatever. And so that was definitely <laughs> a challenge at times.
2: Also like wearing the different hats of using the technical like mathematical part of your brain to make something sound the way that you know that it should sound, which is not always super simple and trying to like flip back and forth with the two of us like going into like one of us has to be an engineer mode and then one of us has to be like thinking of new parts and like using like the childlike I don't know like playful part of your brain to be creative and it's it, that's definitely a, a I think a skill that we've both gotten a lot better at over the years but at first it was it was I don't know there's just a lot of moments I feel like we're we're both in that like creative mindset and we're just like oh like we really have to do like this like technical stuff right now and it's like such a burden or like the opposite where an idea can't come but there's like a magic moment that happens when we're kind of both able to tap into it a little bit and then we could like trade off doing those like wearing those Mm -hmm. wearing those musical hats
0: (laughs) awesome awesome And you originally demoed these songs and uh, recording space in a shipping container on a farm, right?
1: Some of them. Spencer's up in Greenville right now.
0: Oh, cool. So how'd that (laughs) setting influence the songs? And then what was it like taking the songs basically back to San Francisco in a bigger studio that you're familiar with and then recording them?
2: Um, I mean, there was maybe... I, realistically, there was maybe only one or two of the songs that actually had demos before we recorded this album. One of them was the last track on the album. Uh, I think it's called "What Life Makes Life So Hard." Um, that's something we did in like a, an afternoon, very quickly, and then we, when we took it to the studio, just did it immediately, and we were done with it in like four hours or something. Um, but the rest of I, Honestly, the rest of our songs, we we usually go in to the studio with like almost like no idea of what the song is going to sound like beforehand. And we'll just lay down some sort of rhythmic information and some sort of melodic information over it and kind of just shift things around until it feels like there's like a little bit of a structure and then just keep stacking one thing at a time.
1: It's very spontaneous, but I think like going between like the shipping container setting and the studio it feels like a really healthy balance of like i know the studio can be like a cave sometimes so like if you're like in there
2: all the time
1: (laughs) yeah it's it's you like walk outside you're like whoa (laughs) so like being like out in the middle of nowhere it's really refreshing and inspiring it's a good balance
2: yeah, I think being up on this property was like a big subconscious influence for both of us on the album or just like it was like a maybe not an influence, but it like uh, it was like a motivating factor. I feel like it gave us space to because I, I was still coming up here a lot and Sammy was too around the time we were making it. and um, I don't know I think <laughs> I, I don't know what it did. maybe it didn't like really influence the album at all. It was just important to us in our personal lives at that long time.
0: So would you say your songwriting process basically, for the most part, starts in the studio?
1: Definitely. Oh, yeah, pretty much all of the songs. Like maybe we'll have like a line written, but a lot of it is like, like one of my favorite songs on the album is called Tree Fall. And I remember I was just waiting for Spencer to get off work to meet me at the studio. And I was just like playing around with signal chains and like seeing what I could trigger with what, and then that became like the foundation of the song. So yeah, it's like, it's a lot of improv. One take, one take, and then you're done. Makes it hard to learn the songs after though.
0: Yeah. And so do you view this as primarily a studio project then? I I thought it was really cool that you cited XTC as one of your influences in your bio on Spotify and they're one of my all-time favorite bands and for most of their career they were really focused on the studio aspect of their albums and then really worry about replicating what they did in the studio or stressing about replicating it in a live setting is that how you view Harry the Nightgown?
1: Yeah I've always thought of live music and like studio music as two like pretty separate art forms so when making the album we're not thinking about playing live at all and i think that's totally fine like it's its own art and i want it to be the art that it i want it to be and i think like there's a way to bring that the, the songs themselves into the live music world in a different format that like makes sense and like suits the live setting but it might look completely different so i'm excited to see what that looks like but you know i don't know when live shows are gonna happen again so yeah
0: we'll yeah see. yeah do each of you have a favorite track on the record i don't know i
2: kind of like listening to it like in as a whole i don't i don't get like that excited when i listen to track like alone anymore because we have heard it so much what about you sam
1: I think my favorite song is Babbling, which is the one we just released with a video.
0: It's a great song.
1: Thank you. It's like, I don't know. It feels it gives feels to me, which I like. And that was one that was one of the last songs we did and I think we broke through some like production methods like like sampling like a vocal stack that I had done maybe even for a different song or a different part of the song and then just like flying it in through like a two track tape machine at random times like that was fun. Um, (laughs) But yeah, I don't know. They all like represent such different times to me. It is like a time capsule of an album.
0: (laughs) Totally. And Spencer, as you mentioned, the record does really flow very well. When you were recording it and when you were sequencing it, were you viewing it as a complete product like that? And were you very conscious of sequencing and things like that when you were putting the finished product together?
2: I think that that, maybe a lot of it was like, at first it was... Actually, no. We totally did rearrange it. I was thinking, I think of them... Kind of in the sequence that they're recorded a lot of the times just because it's like skipping around the different times on the reel. Um, but I guess we did kind of rearrange this one a lot like as it was after it was mastered. And it's kind of, I think there was like a little bit of like a subconscious, there's like a little bit of like a very, very loose narrative that is like centered on like our relationship because we were dating when we started making this and uh, by the time we finished we weren't anymore and i think there there's like a very loose narrative or, or like theme in that that follows the sequencing of the album yeah kinda it's like I, not totally chronological but it feels like it like is like a little bit of like a storyline to me
1: yeah it's the storyline of our us uh, our
0: truth. Yeah, and, and that is something else that I wanted to ask you both about, that when you started the project, you were in a romantic relationship, but that aspect of your relationship ended, and it seems like the songs address that. Was that originally challenging to share those songs with one another, or was it helpful in transitioning? your partnership from one that was romantic and creative to one that's now just solely creative?
1: I would say it was both challenging and helpful. And I think that's just kind of how it goes with this kind of thing. If anything, it was like kind of an amazing opportunity or like an amazing way to communicate with each other at the time. But like there's definitely tension sometimes. um yeah but like i don't know like you like when you're reaching down into that part of you that's like angry or hurt or like confused you're also like gonna get like a lot of good stuff to put on an album so i
0: think yeah totally
1: In
2: a way,
0: uh, it it was worth it. Amen. (laughs) All right, we got an amen. Very cool. And I wanted to ask you about your own studio that you're operating together, Grandma's Couch. How would you decide to open your own studio? And how has working at Tiny Telephone Studios influenced your approach for how you'll handle things at that studio and what was the process like putting your own studio together i'm assuming you had to go out and find a lot of different analog gear maybe spend some time on (laughs) reverb.com um
2: it was a it's an extensive process it's a lot of front end or money-sucking details of like you know We started with a lot of like the basic construction stuff, me and thought of, and then I hired some friends to like help me with the more complicated carpentry of the the space and then had a friend come by who's a real, true, devout audio nerd and scan the room and try try and tune the room a little bit and just slowly putting our own things together, but it's kind of one of those things. We're definitely working with different gear than we're we then we have access to in tiny telephone because we're kind of funding it ourselves and i don't know my money is so hard with this stuff
1: (laughs) yeah quickly watch my savings go away (laughs) yeah Um,
2: but i'm excited i don't know i've always had an obsession with uh, setting up different spaces with like even if i only had like a four track at the time so it's kind of like a, a little bit like fulfilling in that sense of like getting to wring out my OCD on a room and rearrange it.
1: <laughs> you definitely have that, and I don't.
0: That's <laughs> <laughs> cool. why we work together.
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: Yeah. How would you say you complement each other working together in that respect? Since Sam, Sammy just said, I guess you're a little more OCD, Spencer. What? What about? the two of you complements each other and makes this project work the way it does.
2: Um, I'm the type of person that uh, we're doing a take and one of us is playing it and I'm like, it never feels timing for me. And Sammy is like kind of the exact opposite. Sammy is very willing to like get rid of, you know just like toss things out more frequently than i am which is like i don't know it's a nice balance
0: yeah that that's super yeah. important i'm the type of person that also doesn't really toss things out it's hard for me but th- that is cool that you're able to do that because sometimes that's very important to do
1: yeah i remember taking like a painting class in high school and like one of the first things we learned was like we all have to paint like we had a prompt we need to paint something and then the next prompt was like to paint over what we painted with something else, and like no one in the class could do it because they liked their painting so much, and I was like, "This is the <laughs> most relieving, like, like relax, like just like, I just loved the feeling of being like, nope, <laughs> it's gone now, <laughs> and it's all good."
2: <laughs> oh, wow, that's amazing! I never said that.
1: You're welcome. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Thank you so much. And I did want to ask about XTC again because, as I mentioned, they're one of my favorite bands and they did utilize the studio really well later in their career. I'm curious about what specifically about XTC had influenced Harry the Nightgown. Oh my God, this was huge.
1: I think at the time, by the time we were like obsessed with drums and wires and Skylarking too. We would listen to it like every morning. <laughs> I feel like um, there's so much
2: about it, like yeah, the melodies, really like, it's... like the maximalist pop, like
3: mm-hmm.
2: I think just like pushing it to be like okay, like I, I don't know. I think maybe that influenced like this album. Like it definitely did influence that album, but I feel like that technique, like we're even utilizing like a lot more with new recordings we're making of just like. Okay, this is like cool, but what does this have like 40 layers of like this like all like bounced together on two tracks or like I don't know, just like trying to like drastically like maximize like weird hi-fi sounds in like a very like pop structured format. And also like a lot of time stuff they do.
1: Yeah, I mean, I agree with that. It's like it's hard to fuse um like abstract production with like straight up pop music and i think like kind of referencing the question you asked earlier about like how we work together like typically i like in the she's and other stuff like we mostly do pop and like that's just what i'm used to writing and spencer's way more familiar with like diving into like weird experimental like in like more like i don't know sequencing stuff and so I think XTC like provided a good guide for like how to fuse the two.
0: Totally. Yeah, I could definitely hear that. And it's it's so similar, and you're really spot on with the description of XTC and what I can hear on your record as well. It definitely has those really strong pop melodies and pop elements, but so much cool experimentation as well, which XTC did really well.
1: Yeah. Thanks for recognizing that. That's it.
0: <laughs> All right. So now we're gonna play four songs from Harry the Nightgown's debut album. It is out now. Get it at Harry We're gonna hear Ping Pong, Pill Pop and Therapist, Babbling, and Tree Fall. We'll be back. <laughs> back we just heard four songs from harry the nightgown's brand new debut album again you can get it on vinyl digital download via harry the nightgown.bandcamp.com it's also available on all streaming services and you can get it on cassette via top shelf records we heard ping pong pill pop and therapist babbling and Treefall. Four awesome songs. And now we're going to be hearing, talking about some records that Spencer and Sammy picked. Uh, let's start with Sammy. Sammy, what'd you pick?
1: Um, I saw the Susie record on there Dear Prudence, Susie and the Banshees. That's like, she's big for me.
0: <laughs> yes. Cover. Great cover.
1: Yeah, such a good cover.
0: In things I've read about the She's, that the Donnas were a big influence. Were bands like Susie and the Banshees more more of the goth, post-punk type of stuff also an influence on projects like that for you?
1: For sure, I know on the most recent she's record, like the really weird song in the middle that's called all female. Wait, I forget what it's called. It's like local favorite all female garage rock quartet or something. That was like kind of a Susie rip <laughs> on accident. But um, yeah, like the like she's awesome. So.
0: Yeah, it's cool to see that you've been in a band playing with basically the same people since you were so young how would you say your taste and music that has influenced you has changed since it started because just like anyone that starts listening to music when they're in the sixth or seventh grade as they get older they start listening to more and different things
1: totally uh it was interesting with the she's because like we're still a band and our music taste kind of like evolved together somehow which i know isn't like always the case so yeah we started out like wanting to be the donnas and then we like got obsessed with the local music scene in sf at the time which was like girls and friends um and so we were like really influenced by that and like all of their influences which was more like felt in like st christopher or whatever and then uh honestly when i started engineering more obviously like i was thinking about production more and just like definitely wanting to bring more like artsy abstract elements into the pop world and like i don't know i guess i wouldn't say that i write like the same kind like with the angsty punk spirit that I used to, but I ho- like to hope it's still there somewhere. <laughs> I did see that you had the mantles on your I yeah, that was like w- probably one of the first shows in SF I went to, like you know, just with a friend. <laughs> we were pretty young at the time. Yeah, they like were mind blowing, wasn't?
0: Cool. It, Grass Widows from San Francisco, right? Too.
1: Yeah, Grass Widows is really cool. Yeah, like around two thousand nine kind of when we like were playing a lot in sf and the scene was popping
0: (laughs) yeah totally i felt like i could hear a little grass widow that's why i mentioned them specifically yeah yeah in the she's yeah
1: probably yeah the label we're on in sf like also used to have a band on them called the sandwiches which i really like them maybe there's some influence there
0: Cool. So let's play The Mantles. What song by The Mantles would you like to hear?
1: Well, they have a song called Samantha, which is my name. So I remember really liking that song.
0: Awesome. So we'll play Samantha by The Mantles, definitely. All right, Spencer, you're up. What did you pick?
2: It's so hard. I really am not good at picking things like this, but I saw the... (laughs) The Alberta record on there and I think that was I was it's weird. I was I think I was listening to that like around the time we were recording this album and I really really got into that for a second. Um someone that me and Sammy both uh recorded an album with um is kind of in that scene in New York of those bands and he uh kind of showed us all of that and I remember just being blown away when band after band he kept showing us and being like oh yeah this is my friend and like it was all these people I kind of, kind of like in that scene maybe it was smaller than that but I had never heard of and it was mind blowing that so much was like coming from one singular um, area at one point in time that felt really new to me
0: oh yeah Palberta is incredible they've been playing together for a pretty long time. I interviewed them about a year and a half ago and to hear their whole story of how well they're just connected as friends and how that friendship and companionship results in all of their really, really great music is incredible. And they also swap instruments a lot, even live. So what they do is really impressive.
2: Yeah, they have a... Two of the people in that van have a side project that I recorded when they came out very the area last time.
0: Shimmer. Oh, yeah, Shimmer. Uh, that, that That's a great project. Really, really good stuff. That's cool that you got to work with them. Uh, what what else did you pick?
2: I mean, just as a like low-hanging fruit, let's pick... Uh, what, the the first three tracks on Skylarking. <laughs>
0: um. Oh, <laughs> yeah, no, I'm down for that. Dude, Dude, uh, Summer's Cauldron and uh, Grass, to me, that's the best oh, transition yeah. of two songs so I've ever heard cool. in my life.
2: So beautiful. When you beautiful. Hear those fake birds and those fake crickets, you know, it's about to hit.
1: It's a bop.
0: <laughs> yeah, I, and, you know, I could, like, like you said, I could totally hear you know, all these different sounds that they utilized on that record working with Todd Rundgren, you could definitely hear your great use of sounds that are just kind of on the periphery on the songs on your record as well. Oh, thank you.
1: Yeah, I guess some of that comes from like I don't know, like back when like analog gear was new to studios, like and people didn't really know how to use it, it was easy to like mess with it and makes like, you know, what it's not intended for happen and sometimes it's really cool. So maybe that like mindset carried over when we were like just messing around in the studio.
2: Yeah, I don't know. Anyone that has access to seeing stars should lay down on a blanket and look at the stars while they listen to that.
0: Totally. (laughs) It's also a great That's, summertime record.
1: It is a perfect summer. Yeah. Joy well taught. It's going to be 105 degrees in Joshua Tree tomorrow. so.
0: Oh, my gosh. <laughs> Good thing you have a pool there.
1: Yeah. And Skylarking.
0: <laughs> All right. So we're going to play Spencer and Sammy's picks from Harry the Nightgown. We're going to hear Susie and the Banshees cover of Dear prudence then we're gonna hear samantha by the mantles we're gonna hear sound of the beat by palberta and then the first three tracks off of XTC skylarking which i can't wait to immerse myself in we'll be back We're back. We heard Harry the Nightgown's record selections, Suzy and the Banshees, Dear Prudence, The Mantle, Samantha, Palberta, Sound of the Beat, and the first three songs from Skylarking by XTC. Now we're coming to the end of the program, but just wanted to remind you all that Harry the Nightgown's debut record just came out August 7th. You can get it on cassette via Top Shelf Records, or you can order it on vinyl via the Harry the Nightgown Bandcamp, which is harrythenightgown.bandcamp.com. And it's a limited pressing, so act fast. I'm looking forward to hearing it on vinyl. I can imagine it sounds really good, and it's a great record for a vinyl listening experience. So it's great that you guys were able to get it pressed on vinyl
2: yeah i'm so stoked uh we got it pressed at qrp in kansas and got the lacquer cut by bob west in chicago and i think it's a a very good uh like from start to finish like we worked really hard on it and i think the the vinyl actually shows like the or you can hear the, (laughs) the what we intended to be you know the vinyl product, which is, I think, sometimes pretty
0: rare. Totally. It seems like it's definitely the type of record that you, you put it on, and if you're listening to it on vinyl, you're able to hear more things than you would just streaming it or something like that. So it's it's definitely exciting. Uh, So any other plans for the rest of the year? I know you had mentioned earlier that you are working on new songs as well.
1: (laughs) We're working on like two new singles. um, that we're probably still figuring out the timeline on that. And then we started like when quarantine began, we were (laughs) sheltering in place at the studio. So we started another record and... I'm really excited to keep working on that.
0: Super exciting. Very excited to hear the album on vinyl. Again, everyone, you can get it at harrythenightgown.bandcamp.com. The album's also available on all streaming platforms. Cassette available via Top Shelf Records. And we're going to play one more song to end the show. The Boyd. Tell me a little bit about the boyd that
1: song was a challenge for sure i mean it started yeah we just we had so much it was a problem child (laughs) we call some of the songs problem children um it was just like it was like a one that we kind of wrote on the spot and like um pieced together on the spot so it was really hard to turn it from like a piano riff and like an op1 sample and like make that become a song. We did like drums last, which felt really like weird, but like now it's one of my favorite songs. I like how it came together. And our friend Ryan played guitar and and, uh, did some vocals on it, which is really fun to me.
2: Yeah, he has a little bit of a, uh, he did like an improv, um, he tapped into, some sort of character, I don't know, in front of a microphone for like 45 seconds in like the like bridge-ish section? Um, or the second mm-hmm. chorus? I don't know when it is. But yeah,
0: he's just speaking gibberish. <laughs> I remember this part now. I remember this yeah. part now. It's interesting, yeah.
1: yeah. We just kept it.
2: <laughs> yeah, we were trying to do like a... I don't know. I guess he was just trying to channel some toxic masculinity and throw it in for the theme of the song
1: yeah that was the prompt he did a good job
0: shout out to ryan for the comedic stylings on the (laughs) void it's the ninth track on harry the nightgown's awesome debut record uh sammy and spencer thank you so much for speaking with me today it was a pleasure i love the album Thank you so much. Thanks for that having
1: me. Yeah, this was fun. Yeah.
0: And here it is the boyd.